Well, hello, friends. Grace and peace of our Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus, be with you. Welcome to Sermons from the Mount podcast. My name is Pastor Mark O'Neill. I currently serve as the pastor of Mount Olivet United Methodist Church in Manio, North Carolina. Each week, we will post here audio recordings of the sermons that I preach from that church. Hope this one is a blessing to you. God bless. Take care. verses 21 through 28. So again, this is Mark chapter 1, verses 21 through 28. It says, They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, he, Jesus, entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Just then there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying with a loud voice, came out of him. They were all amazed. And they kept on asking one another, what is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. At once his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. My friends, this is the word of God for you and I, the children of God. Thanks be to God. Well, my friends, I want to um, admit something to you this morning. As I read and reread our passage for today, I found myself in a way feeling a little bit jealous of some of the people in this story. We talked last week about the old seminary question when you study a passage, who do you see yourself as in this story or where do you see yourself in this story? Well, I can tell you who I would want to be in this story, and it's the people in the synagogues on this day. We'll get to why in just a minute. Our story opens right after Jesus has gathered Peter and Andrew and James and John and has convinced them to drop their nets and follow him. They travel from Galilee to Capernaum covering a distance of about 16 miles or so. And as the Korah-observant Jews that they were, when the Sabbath day comes, they find themselves in the synagogue. That should make us feel pretty good, because after all, if we are told to live our lives like Jesus, and Jesus went to church on the Sabbath day, well, you're here in church on the Sabbath day, so that should make you feel pretty good. So at least cross that one off your list for today, you get a gold star. Now at that time in the synagogue, it was typical for any man that had some knowledge of the Hebrew scriptures to stand and read and teach. 
Typically, they would just mimic or repeat words they have heard other rabbis say. But now, friends, the rabbi is speaking. The rabbi is teaching. And he is teaching from a position of authority that to that point nobody had ever heard or seen before. And they were astonished, or maybe your translation, astounded at his teaching. That's Mark verse, chapter 1, verse 22. They heard our Lord and they marveled at him. He did not teach like the rest. He did not talk like the others. There was an authority here they had never experienced before in their lives, and they were astonished. They were astounded. Now, you and I don't know exactly what it was that they heard. We don't know if they had anything like a saving faith. It seems here they had no real idea about the real identity and mission of Jesus. It is a great grace of God that the fuller narrative has been revealed to you and I. And it is a continued grace to how the saving work of God is revealed through us. But the people here in this crowd in Capernaum were astonished at his teaching. They marveled at his authority. And they didn't need to explain it or defend it or apply it or hold anybody accountable to it. Jesus said what he said. They heard it. They were astonished at it. And as I read this passage over and over again, I found myself almost jealous of the crowds at Capernaum. Because I had to take a step back and ask myself, am I still astonished at Jesus' teaching? Am I still astounded by Jesus' teaching. What about you this morning? Are you still astonished and amazed, astounded and affected by his words and his teaching? Now, I ask this knowing full well that many of you have been gathering here for worship or other places and the study of God's word for years and years. You know the text, you know the miracles, you know the sayings, you know the events of the life of our Lord. And friends, this is to be celebrated. Because this kind of knowledge only comes as a result of faithfully attending to the scriptures among the communion of saints for year after year and season after season. And understand, I'm not saying to you this morning that we should not study and learn. I'm a fan of memorizing scripture. I also don't think we need some fresh revelation beyond Scripture in order to hold our attention or keep things interesting. But let me ask you this, friends. Do we find ourselves explaining Jesus' words more often than we are astonished by them? Do we share Jesus' words with others more than we are personally and existentially surprised at Jesus' words? Do we use scripture as information to be processed and disseminated or as the lens through which we live the entirety of our lives? I asked myself these questions this past week. And I've told some of you that the the words that I speak from here come from God and they're for me. I just let you overhear them each and every Sunday. And friends, the word for today is humility. 
no matter how many times we have read through the Bible, or how many Bible studies we've been a part of, or how many Sunday school classes or small groups we've attended, no matter how many sermons you've preached, friends, we need to handle God's Word with a certain sense of humility. Now, we can be both bold and humble as we hear and handle the Word of God. We can stand with great conviction even as we sit at the feet of our Lord and listen. We can both confess and ask questions. We can experience the living voice of Christ and not just figure out and explain what he means to others. His word is authoritative. His word is true. His word accomplishes his purposes. His word drives out demons. His word cleanses lepers. His word forgives sin. As Christians, friends, we can be confident in the promises of Scripture and humble before the word of the Lord. As your preacher, I can be confused by Jesus and wonder at his word, even as I declare with absolute confidence the gospel he has given, that he has commanded me to preach in his name and with his very authority. Friends, we speak for Jesus when and where and what he calls us to speak, but we have to remember this, we are not Jesus. I am not Jesus. You are not Jesus. We do not have to fully comprehend the mind of our Lord in order to be faithful messengers. Wrestle with the word, friends. Wrestle with it like Jacob wrestled with God. Wonder at the God who speaks and at the actual words he speaks. Be willing to walk away with a limp as well as a blessing. The joy of such wondering and wrestling will not only enliven your reading, but it will bring life to your very soul. Allow yourself, friends, to be astounded and amazed and astonished because it is not enough to know Scripture in our heads and not allow it into our hearts. We talked about this last week. That we have got to live our lives as if we believe the gospel. Like we are astounded by the gospel. Like we are moved by the gospel. It has got to affect everything we say, think, and do. Approaching scripture as a mere intellectual exercise, friends, is not going to get it done. It is not simply enough to believe it in your head and not live your life by it. This past Wednesday, I had an opportunity to speak at the middle school. And we talked about this. We talked about mere head knowledge. I asked them how many believe that two plus two equals four. Thankfully, most of them raised their hand. I asked how many believe that Raleigh was the capital of North Carolina for whatever reason. They all raised their hand. Ask them how many believe that water could exist in three states, solid, liquid, and gas, and they raised their hand. And I asked them, how did you learn to believe this? They said, because I was taught it, and I read it in a book. They had it in their heads, they could recite it as a moment's notice, but none of them said they lived their lives based upon any of those facts. It had no real effect on how they lived their lives. 
It was information, it was knowledge they could simply dispense whenever they needed to. J.C. Ryle says, the mere belief of the facts and doctrines of Christianity will never save our souls. Such belief is no better than the belief of devils. They all believe and know that Jesus is the Christ. Let us beware of an unsanctified knowledge of Christianity. It is a dangerous possession, but a fearfully common one. We may know the Bible intellectually and have no doubt about the truth of its contents. We may have our memories well stored with its leading texts and be able to talk glibly about its leading doctrines. And all this time the Bible may have no influence over our hearts, wills, and consciences. Let us take heed that our faith is a faith of the heart as well as the head. We may go on all our lives saying, I know that and I know that, and sink at last into hell with those words upon our lips. Let us see that our knowledge bears fruit in our lives. It is one thing to say Christ is a Savior. It is quite another to say Christ is my Savior and my Lord. The devil can say the first. The true Christian alone can say the second. Which do you say, friends? You know, I pray that you and I, we never get to the point in regards to Scripture that we are merely acquiring head knowledge. I pray that each day that you and I open our Bibles, that what we read astonishes us or amazes us or convicts us or challenges us or confuses us or causes questions for us. But above all else, that we live our very lives as if we believe every single word of it is true that we know it and feel it with every fiber in our bodies, even if we may not be able to explain all of it, and even if we have questions about some of it. Because that's evidence of a relationship. You need to have a relationship with Jesus beyond mere head knowledge. Because if we don't, friends, if we don't, then we run the risk of being told to get out when we do come face to face with Jesus. Because... That's what this story tells us, doesn't it? Let me ask you a question in what we read this morning. Who in this lesson correctly identifies who Jesus is? The man with the unclean spirit, isn't it? How does he identify Jesus? The Holy One of God. That sounds about right, doesn't it? Where does this man correctly identify Jesus? In the synagogue. Let's just, for the sake of argument, call it church. So to recap, you got a man in church on the Sabbath correctly identifying Jesus, which is just another way of saying he knew who Jesus was, by identifying, declaring him to be the Holy One of God. Again, a man in church, knows that Jesus is the Holy One of God and declares it out loud. And what happens? Jesus rebukes him. Jesus rebukes him. He's where he's supposed to be. He knows what he's supposed to know. He says what he's supposed to say. Yet Jesus rebukes him. Why? Because it's not enough. It's not enough to just come to church. It's not enough to just know about Jesus. It's not enough to even say what you know about Jesus out loud. His heart wasn't right. 
an evil spirit had taken up residence where the Holy Spirit should be. He had all the head knowledge to know about Jesus. But at this moment, he did not know Jesus. My dear friends, right now in this sanctuary, and right now watching us online, is someone who was where they're supposed to be. Is someone who knows what they're supposed to know. Who's, is someone who can say what it is they're supposed to say. So my dear friends, if you are not in a relationship with Jesus, if your heart is not right, if you're not allowing yourself to be astounded by his teaching and amazed by his grace and love and mercy, not allowing yourself to take whatever uncleanliness you might be taking or carrying around to him so he can remove it, please let today be the day that that changes. Because Jesus wants it. Every thought captive to regret or remorse or guilt for any misstep or misdeed or sin or thought or whatever it is that you think disqualifies you from a relationship with him or whatever it is that lurks inside your heart that you are ashamed of, he wants you to bring it to him. And here's why from one of my commentaries. Freeing this man from an unclean spirit is precisely the mission of Jesus. As the rhetorical question is raised, have you come to destroy us? This exorcism explicitly answers the unclean spirit's question. Indeed, the Holy One from God has come to destroy the works of the evil one. Once freed from the power of sin, a child of God is then free to cooperate with the presence of God's prevenient grace and endearing voice. My friends, for all of us, I think today's passage is both a warning and an opportunity. A chance for all of us to take a step back and see exactly where we are in our relationship with Jesus. Have we simply acquired head knowledge? Or have we allowed that knowledge to seep into our hearts and affect how we live? Where are we in our relationship with Jesus? Do we need to start? Do we need to strengthen? Do we need to renew? Whatever it is, friends, our passage tells us exactly where all of that begins. It's the heart. Chip's favorite Bible verse is Romans 10, 9. It says, because if you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That doesn't appear to be an either or, does it? Looks to me like that's a both and. If you need more evidence, just go to the very next verse, which I think is just as powerful. For one believes with the heart, and so is justified. And one confesses with the mouth, and so is saved. My dear friends, this morning, do you believe with your heart? Let Jesus amaze you. Let Jesus astound you. Let Jesus astonish you. My brothers and sisters, let Jesus save you. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.
Well, I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. Until next time, God bless. Take care.